All right, go ahead, find a seat. There's something that we've committed to doing each Sunday this year, and that's to do a life change story. And so today we have a special life change story. We have Jerry Yao, uh, and so he's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, let's give it up for Jerry. All right, Jerry's been a longtime member here of 180 Chicago. Uh, he and his wife are co-workers uh, in a 180 Chicago home in Mount Greenwood area. And uh, so we're pleased to have uh, Jerry as part of our church. And so we want to get to know a little bit more about him and his life change story. So Jerry, first of all, what was your life like before you met Jesus? My life was just basically living a simple life. I grew up in a very small town, and so there wasn't a lot of things to do like the people, teenagers these days, they got lots of social media distraction in the big city. Mine was just a small town, so our activity mainly is basically eat, sleep, go to school, <laughs> and uh, plus a little simple adventure on the side where I would go uh, doing all those forbidden things uh, in my small town, like go, go swimming in a river that's full of crocodiles. Uh, at night, we'll go hunting for frogs uh, just for fun, uh, not knowing that there are snakes behind. So lots of uh, simple fun, but uh, really, uh, essentially, not much of a knowledge of Christianity uh, uh, before then. All right, so then what was the pivotal moment? What was the, the thing that really then led you to Jesus? So I still remember very clearly uh, when I was in uh, primary six, that we call primary six, I grew up uh, in Malaysia, not here. And uh, we had a visit from a campus group from the capital city to our small town. They... Uh, The uh, campus group, much like the campus group uh, here, they would come to small town and host uh, what they call a gospel meeting. So I was actually invited by my brother, who is part of the campus group, to come to attend the gospel meeting because essentially I was pretty uh, naughty or rebellious at that point, doing my own stuff. Can't hard to believe that, Jerry. <laughs> um, yeah, if you know the things I've done. Uh, so I just went, uh, not knowing what it was, just heard a simple message of salvation uh, preach, and basically no lightning and thunder or any flashes, I just accepted it. And that's around 55 years ago, I've never looked back. All right, amen. Let's back. give a hand for Lord yeah. working in Jerry's. Yes. All right. Yes. Well, that was great 55 years ago, but what's the fresh thing that God's doing in your life today? Well, I like to say that my life is full of beds and roses, and you know it doesn't happen. Uh, if you have lived any, any, even any moment in being a follower of Christ, there are many ups and downs. Uh, but I would have to say that mostly my life was pretty much up. You know, God had blessed me with a beautiful wife uh, who... Uh, is here, Tedkin, my, uh, I call her my... Hey, man, let's give it for Tedkin. I call her my roommate. We have been married for more than 42 years now. And uh, we have three grown, beautiful children. And now I'm a grandfather of three grandkids. So life has been good. 
But if I just say that, then it's not realistic because we do have a lot of trials as well. Uh, so this past year, I've undergone a pretty severe trial. I don't have time to go into detail, but essentially, uh, in this trial, I've been faced with people that I've invested a lot of time in, and uh, have have seen a lot of betrayals that I did not know. I didn't even know that it was coming. So that caused a lot of angst and a lot of worries and a lot of um, actually a lot of times that sort of hit me where I am because it basically challenges my character of wanting to be a mentor to young people. Basically, when you're betrayed by young people, you feel like, well, what's the point? Um, so I went through a period of uh, lots of ups and downs, uh, mostly down, and lost quite a bit of weight, uh, lost essentially zest for life. And, and to a certain extent, even my spiritual serving as well. So, uh, I'm glad that through the wise counsel of the pastors and the elders and my family and prayers from all of them, plus my 180 home group, that's why you need to be Amen. part of a home group, Yes. Um, God had been able to restore uh, the, the time that I was down. So the trial is not over yet, but at least I know that uh, the prayers are behind me and, and, and God is leading me in a way that uh, I know one day He will see that justice is done and, and will fully uh, give me what I was praying for. All right. Well, thank you, Jerry. I'd like to leave, I'd like to leave you with this verse that always a comfort to me is from Proverbs. Chapter 3, 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Because I'm such a control freak, <laughs> I need to be reminded every day that I need to wait upon Him and trust Him and He will direct my path. Thank you. All right. All right, thank you, Jerry. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are my life verses as well, so great, great text of Scripture. Would you please extend a hand towards Jerry? We want to bless him and pray for him, and thank you for his faithful service to the Lord and for his service here. But let's, let's pray for Jerry and Tekken. Father, we pray for Jerry. We thank you for his faithfulness to you, even through the trials that you brought him through over the last year and are still bringing him through. But, Father, we're thankful that he trusts in you, that he does not lean on his own understanding, that in all of his ways he acknowledges you and that you are directing his paths. So, Father, we pray that you will continue as he trusts in you to direct his paths and may you use him mightily in his uh, field of influence at work, here at the church, and in his 180 home. Father, we're so thankful that Jerry and Tekken can be a part of our family. And so, Father, we bless them and we pray that you will continue to use them for your service, for your honor and glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jerry. I also get the opportunity to kind of introduce the message as well as our speaker for this morning. I just, as you know, was just in Israel just a couple weeks ago, Got just got back, and one of the places uh, that I visited was the place where the Sermon on the Mount, which is our sermon series for the summer, uh, took place. And so, again, 
encourage you to stick around afterwards if you want to go to Israel and see these places firsthand. I encourage you to do so. We'll have an informational meeting right after the service uh, to talk to you about that opportunity. But as I was there, I spoke to the group that I was with, some students, and I always was challenged by the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount was kind of a, a daunting kind of section. And I think I began now over the last couple of years to begin to realize why that feeling of it's a very daunting passage to begin with because it's next to impossible to keep. You read through the Sermon on the Mount and it's like, I can't live up to that ideal. But you know what? That's some of the point. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember in the Old Testament there was another place where a spokesman went up and got God's law on a mountaintop. Do you think they were able to keep that law? They weren't able to keep that law. So now Jesus comes on another mount in the beginning of the New Testament, and he gives the new law, the Christian law, as it were. And you know what? It's next to impossible to keep. Why? Because we can't do it in the flesh. We are unable to fulfill either the Old Testament or the New Testament, quote, law, in and of our own power. And in Matthew's gospel, this is the longest speech that Jesus gives in all of the gospel of Matthew. So speeches are important. But his speeches are peppered not just with saying, but then doing. Every time Jesus gives a message, he goes out and does something. And so it's not just about hearing the words of the Lord, it's about doing. And we're going to have the opportunity today to do what this passage that we're going to be focusing on this morning is really talking about, and that's prayer. But I want you to know something. One thing about the Sermon on the Mount, it's three chapters, it's chapters 5 through 7, it's got structure, it begins with Jesus going out and teaching and preaching in all the synagogues and healing people, it finishes the same way. It is perfect in the sense that it's really the embodiment of the whole Old Testament. It's got law, feels like law, doesn't it? It's got wisdom, so it feels like, and we talk about the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the wise man builds his house upon the rock. And so wisdom, but it's also got prophecy. And that's where it dovetails with what Jerry just uh, talked about. If you notice the Beatitudes, the first part of the Beatitudes, the last one focuses on blessed are those who are persecuted. One of the things that Jesus is stressing in the Sermon on the Mount is that life is messy. When you follow Jesus, it's going to have persecution. And when you follow Jesus, you're going to be among the weeds. Jesus understands that. He knows that. But what he does is in the middle of this speech, and the middle is always the pivot, he gives what we call the Lord's Prayer. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning. That's what we sang even one of the worship songs is talking about the Lord's Prayer. So even though it's an impossible ethic for us to keep in the flesh, guess what he gives? He gives us an outlet for us to live the type of kingdom life that he wants us to live by praying to him. And so this is what our focus is going to be on this morning. Our speaker this morning is Jose Rivera.
one of the elders here, along with myself and with Dan Jones, and also now with Shane. Uh, we have uh, four elders now and are part of 180 Chicago. And so we have the benefit today of Jose bringing it home, the practicality of the center of the Sermon on the Mount, and that's talking about prayer. Lord bless you, Jose. Thank you, brother. All right. Good morning, 180 Chicago. Good morning. I'm excited to be here. My name is Jose Rivera, and um, you know, I just want to read this, these lines of this song. And Caleb, if you can play. You know. um, it's the bridge part, and it says, Your name is life. Your name is hope inside me. Hope inside me. Your name is love, a love that always finds me, always finds me. And I just want to sing a verse in that bridge. introduce you to a young man and Isaac is going to put it on on screen look at that young guy there that's me <laughs> yes that's me believe it or not <laughs> that is a picture taken in August 12 of 1985 I just turned 15 but if you carefully look at, into my eyes 
I wasn't doing well that day. I was completely inebriated. I didn't even know where I was. I was at a point in my life where, you know, being raised by a mother that seven of us, I was the youngest one. I knew that I had some brothers from my father's side and a sister. And I was just completely lost as a young kid um, within Humboldt Park, you know, just with the challenges. All my role models were guys from the streets. And I came to a place where I was between, am I going to be this guy in the world that people know this is going to be a statistic? Or is something radically going to happen to my life? And it was on January 31st on a cold Friday in Chicago. And I want you to come back and, um, and take a journey with me to that specific day. January 31st, 1986. I was going to be 16. And we were walking, if you guys know Chicago, Division Street in California. And I don't want to really talk about what I was taking that day because I don't want to focus on that part. You know, but I was totally messed up and we were totally under the influence. And we're walking on California going north. You know, there's like four or five of us. My cousin's with me. My best friend is with me. And we're walking. And as we get to the street, Crystal, another group of guys just come out. And we're on the side of Homo Park in California. And, and, and they're walking on that side. And one of their guys yells out, hey, what are you guys doing? Where's the party at? They weren't being too mean, but my friend, who always has a big mouth and gets us in trouble, he says, there's no party over here, punk. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I was always the one, I was never a tough guy. You see how skinny I was? I was, oh, I was always the peacemaker, you know. I was always the peacemaker. Ah, oh, let's, let's, let's talk about this, you know. But the guy says, what did you say? And my friend, again, starts blabbing out all the time because he's under the influence too. So this is weird because have you ever gotten that tunnel vision where something violent is going to happen? And here we got these guys running towards us across the street. And automatically, my brain is saying, run through the park, run that way. <laughs> but my body, and I don't know what you want to call it, and, and all my friends, we're running towards them. And I see the guy that's right in front of me. He's reaching into his front shirt. He's trying to lift it up. And he had a revolver in his shirt, but it was getting stuck on his shirt. And as we got close, he was, he was about to pull it out, and then he sees my face. And he goes, he goes, oh, and he called me by my Spanish name. He goes, hey, dude, what are you doing out here? I said, oh, man, we're about to go party and all that. I didn't know it was you, and they wanted to fight my friend. So one thing led to another. We calmed it down, and then we start walking to my friend's attic. We used to call that our little secret place where we would just, you know, just hide there and, 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 and hang out and party. And within his attic, he always had a red light. So we get to the attic. I'm trying to fast forward. We get there. My heart's still pumping. Adrenaline now. Just a quick bit about my cousin. He was a backslider. My uncle used to be a Pentecostal preacher and raised in a very strict way. So we're sitting there. I'm like breathing, but, you know, it's, it's calming down. We got the red light. And we start to do more stuff in the room. And... And then my cousin goes, cuz, if you would have got shot, you would have went to hell. Now, I wasn't raised as a Christian. My mother was Catholic, 
but she also was involved in spiritualism and stuff like that. So we weren't that, well, you know, versed in the word. I'm like, hell? I mean, we knew about hell, but it was like it hit me. Now think about it. I'm in, a, I'm in an upper room and in an attic, red light. I'm sitting down, and then this word hell comes into my mind. And, we're, and I'm sitting there and say, hell. And they said, yeah, man, you would have been. And hell is like fire. And we would have been burning. If we would have got shot, we would have been burning. And then at the same moment I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, get away from me. So I start to do more stuff. And I'm sitting there. And I don't know if you guys know back in 1985, there was a song from Expose. You guys don't know that, right? But it was the song was Point of No Return. And it was like, you're taking me to the point of no return. And you're taking me to the point of no return. And those words kept, and it was on a mixtape. Back in the house, we used to have house music, and they were mixed, and that line kept playing over and over. And I'm sitting there, and it hits me. It's almost like, man, Satan is taking me to a place of no return. And I'm like, wow, Lord. And then I get up, and I'm like, I, I really wouldn't have went to hell. Now, this is five guys that know nothing about Jesus or anything. And where they are talking, this was like around, let's say, 1130. It's 1 o'clock now in the morning. And things are getting serious. The conversation gets extremely serious. And now we're talking about Jesus. So now we're saying, man, we're going to be losers. We're going to end up just being, you know, street thugs and this. Because we have plans and we have cousins and we have uncles that were leading in that lifestyle, and I'm like, I don't want to do that, but what's the alternative for a young kid like me? Like, what do I, where do we turn to? What do we do? And my cousin says, let's pray. I'm like, pray? Okay, how do we do that? You know, what do we do? So I just want, before I finish the story, I want to go to Matthew 6, 5. You guys want to open up your Bibles? I'll keep you in suspense as... As Pastor Carl would normally do. <laughs> Keep you hanging for a second. <laughs> uh, and you know what? I, I took a, a peek at Carl's title for his message today. And it's like, pray like you mean it. Now, it doesn't mean that you pray all these words and all these, and then within the story, I'll explain why. And I just want to read through Matthew five, uh, chapter 6, verse 5. It says, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their rewards in full. But you, verse 6, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Verse 8, so do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Amen, right, sister? And, and now I find myself as a young kid, I don't know about Jesus Christ, and I'm in a situation where I have to pray. And I don't know if there's certain people here that 
you're in that situation right now that you found out about some medical issues or whatever issues you have, um, chains you need broken, it's almost like God brings these situations in your life to put you at a place of total dependence on him. And prayer just doesn't become something that we just babble on many words or you have to know it theoretically. It's simply turning your heart to God in humility and engaging in the Lord, you know, and, and God will simply hear your simple words. So going back to my story, we're on our knees, a bunch of street, street punks, basically. We're on our knees, right? And some of these guys were very, you know, they were very, you know, influential guys that, you know, very, you know, they, they, they had a lot of muscle out there. And, and there's, we're sitting there and my cousin says, okay, we'll start like this. We'll say, Jesus. He starts, Jesus. I say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. We're all saying, Jesus. Okay, and then he says, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, save us. After a half hour of saying different phrases, oh, God, it's interesting because the Lord in his miraculous way, there was no preacher there. There was no guidance. There was no, it's just we're calling on the name, right? Those who call on the name of Jesus shall be what? Saved. I didn't know what saved me. Saved from what? So we're saying Jesus, amen, right? So we're saying Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then we say save. And then these words are coming out of my mouth like, God, I don't want to be the way, you know, I'm, I'm, we're leading into destruction. I don't want to be in a place where I can never return again. I don't want to do something in life where I do something wrong and then I'm in jail and then my whole life changes. Because I'm at the age of 15, but I was hanging out with guys who were 30 and 40. My uncles were in their late 50s. So I was hanging out with men at that young age. And I was totally lost. My body was so messed up with that picture you saw. That was me as a, as a freshman in high school. I had straight Fs as a freshman in high school. My counselor told me this story. He said, hey, man, listen. You seem like a good kid, but you're doing bad things in the school. You and your other friend. You're trying to make a hustle in the school, just drop out. Go get your GED and leave these other kids to learn, you know. It basically told me just leave. So as, as a kid, it's like I don't have a father, my mom's single, I'm the youngest, who do I turn to? You know, it's like I felt lost. But here is God the Father. He looks at me, he goes, yeah, you're not for the streets. You know, you're not for the streets. So he basically puts me in a situation where I almost got killed to get my attention, right? And now I'm on my knees. And here's the most beautiful thing, that as we're praying, we're saying all these words, something supernatural. It's, it's almost like you feel like, it was weird. It's like counterposing here. You feel like the presence of God comes down on you. And you feel kind of heavy. But then you're lifted up because truly his burden is light. And he takes my burden off me. And then I felt like this, oh man, I didn't even know the words to say. I felt like elated or just elevated as I was feeling his presence. It was like, what am I doing? Wow, God, this is weird. And guess what happens to these five guys? We start to cry. Crying turns into weeping. It was like a Nikki Cruz. I don't know if you ever know uh, what happened to Nikki Cruz story. Here we in this, I'm like crying. And I just said, no more. 
I don't have to do this. I took all the stuff that was mine, went to the toilet, and dumped it. I know from that then on, something came into my life. And this story continues because we went into so thank you very much. We actually, we went into a Pentecostal church right down the street and we scared them. In the middle of the service, we were like, hey, we want Jesus. We want God. Yeah, we want Jesus right now. You know, how do we get Jesus? We were radical. We were radical. But God was faithful. And, and the beautiful thing is that God basically puts us in situations where total dependent on him and prayer such a, because there's different ways of praying. And Jesus made it very simple in this verse. Like, like, like this is how you should pray. And there comes a time in your life where you just basically call on his name. When you're stuck, just say, Jesus. Of course, call your brothers and sisters that can pray with you. But just, just say, hey, Jesus. Because his name is powerful. You don't have, you know, his name is mighty. And when you call on his name, he will come. He will sit and dine with you. Even in the presence of your enemy, he does what? He prepares a table for you. So what I want to do now is I want to put up the Lord's Prayer. And I'm just going to, you know, just during this time, Kelly, we can help us start playing. Um, if those of you that I, I called on earlier, if, if you guys can come up and come to the side, I just want this time for us, if you need prayer in your life, if you need someone to, to lay hands on you or just to hear you out, we're going to have some people on the sides that you can freely just go and have a time of prayer as we continue our worship. But what I want to do as a church, and then this, you know, I think Dr. Coakley, um, he will end after this, after this session. But as an entire church, I want us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. So if you can just repeat after me. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. I want us to pause there as I was talking to Dr. Copley right before we started. It's daily bread. We come daily to the Lord, guys, daily and throughout the day. And we're asking him, give us of himself to us. Because he is our manna. He is our true food. He is our true drink. He is what gives us the substance to live this Christian life. You know, you see Pastor Carl, he's always coming down. I can't bend my, because my knees are kind of jacked up. But he bends down, he grabs this thing, and he goes to, What he's basically saying is that it is God's, the Father's life that flows through the sun, through the vine. We are the branches, and that life flows through, and we contain the life. And what do we do with that life? We bear fruit so that others can eat, can feast, can be strengthened. Daily bread. We eat from him daily. Going to verse 12. And forgive us our debts 
as we also have forgiven our debtors. And Lord, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I would like to pray for you guys right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are in our lives, God. And we just want to yield to you this morning. We want to ask, God, that you would lead us as the great shepherd that you are. That you hear our voice, God, as we hear your voice. Because we know your voice. You are the true shepherd. God, when we call upon your name, your mighty name, God, you will not fail us, God. You will lead us into places, Lord God, into roads, God. Each, each step that we take, we want to be in line with you. Every day, God, we call on your precious name. We thank you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Father, thank you for the testimony that we've heard from Jose and how simple prayer is and yet how complicated we make it. You just want us to be independence, just like a child to a parent. You are our father and you know our needs even before we ask, but you want us to ask. You want us to come. You want us to acknowledge our sinfulness, our frailty. You want us to acknowledge our faults. But Father, we know you have the words of life and you give us each day what we need. Help us to walk in dependent prayer each and every moment of each and every day. And Father, we're thankful for this Sermon on the Mount text, the pinnacle of the teaching of kingdom living. And here we are in the center, on the peak of the peak. And it's about prayer. It's about dependence. It's about power and glory and honor being yours, not ours. So we're grateful that we're your children. So Father, we thank you and ask that you will just keep us in this moment of dependence and prayer. As we live out the impossible ethic of the kingdom life, You've given us an outlet that is to pray to you. We thank you for that. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.